0: He won Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You
1: like me right now. You like
0: me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now, now that I'm on my way? She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. I right for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you
1: like me now?
0: This is the
2: Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by New Hampshire Flint Supply. For a generation, national political correspondents have come to the small towns of New Hampshire and touted the cliche that the locals are flinty. (laughs) That supposedly means like hard stone. If a hard stone means wearing red flannel, not shaving, and asking, but what are you going to do about my taxes? At New Hampshire Flint Supply, we'll help perfect your skeptical stare, your disappointed head shake, (laughs) your gripe that this won't do much for your seasonal snowplow business. (laughs) To the rest of the country, for most of the past few years, just southern Canada. But for one week, the whole world revolves around you. So come on down to New Hampshire Flint Supply. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome (laughs) to the Super Bowl Week edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. Mickey, are you charged up and and happy and, uh, and looking forward to the game this weekend? Eh... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's I a mean, great enthusiastic response. We always want this. Well, hi away.
1: and hi and uh, nice to be here with you guys again this week. And uh, you know, I love football. I love the Super Bowl. I tend to actually enjoy the Super Bowl a great deal more when the Steelers are not in it because I'm not stressed out the entire time. But um, I, I'm very met on this on this particular. Super Bowl just because, you know, I'm still stinging a bit from our season. Um, however, I am thrilled, and I cannot say this enough, that the Patriots are not in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes it a much more, uh, you're, you don't go into the week definitely hating someone and, and uh, rooting against it. I, I was surprised. I figure you would be a Carolina girl if for no other reason than you could root for the ex-Jet and ex-Steeler Jericho Kochery.
1: You know, um, there's a really funny story about me and Jericho Cottery. When we had him in Pittsburgh, for those of you who didn't know, he he made a stop in Pittsburgh there for a while, and he was our third receiver. Um, I didn't like him. I found him to be very unreliable. Like, he would make one catch and then dropped 10. But he, you know, and and the thing about it is is everybody else loved him because they found him to be clutch. Like, he was the guy we went to on third down when, you know, Antonio's double covered or, or, you know, and that time Emmanuel Sandler was there as well. And, and, I came up with the nickname for him that really wasn't a nickname so much as Effin' Cotry, only I didn't say (laughs) Effin'. And so, like, every time he did something good, all of my friends would start saying it as well because they're like, see, dumbass. But I just, I I don't know. And I see him playing now, and it's so funny because I still say it every time he makes a catch. And it's it's just like a very odd tick that I have apparently as <laughs> with Jericho Cotry. I cannot say his first name, but I can say effing right before it. And um, so he has that impact on me. However, I am a huge fan of uh, Cam Newton. And to be honest, I'm a huge fan of Peyton Manning. So for me, I mean, it's a win-win really here. I'm kinda there's, kind there's of, no loss for me. I'm kinda
0: of bummed because Peyton, you know, last hurrah. There's no way he's coming back next year. He moves too slow and his knees hurt too much. Here he is in the Super Bowl without the Patriots, and you'd think that would give him a legitimate chance to win his last great football game of his great career. But no, he's up against Superman. <laughs> it's just not well, fair.
1: Superman for the NFC. Like you always have to have that caveat in there because the NFC is so sketched. You never really know if the team's any good until the Super Bowl.
2: Oh, I think fifteen and one. (laughs) I think they're pretty good. I'm not gonna. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not
1: suggesting, but there's a lot of coaching that goes into that to get to that point. Decisions that are made throughout the season, and let's face it, they basically ended up with like what? I guess I guess it would have been like six, seven freebies this year.
2: I okay so Considering I'm their
1: division that's all I'm saying.
2: I'm stunned that every time I turn on sports radio driving around in the car it sounds like according to you know it's usually ESPN radio hosts they they make it sound like the entire country is filled and teeming with Cam Newton haters. <laughs> People who who just sneer at him, look down on him uh, they very often make it sound like it's driven by racial animosity or something. Mm. i got to tell you, I'm, I, I'm a Jet fan. I don't pay a ton of attention to the NFC. Do, do people hate Cam Newton? Hate, um, I,
1: people I like are jealous here. of okay. Cam Newton, in my opinion. Um, It's my understanding that the, quote, Cam haters don't like the way that he showboats. Well, here's the thing. He is really enjoying I, – I don't mind someone who – celebrates the game, if it gets to the point where it's rude or offensive to the other players, you know, I mean, we went through this whole thing, as you will recall, with Terrell Owens and the weird things that he did on the Knopf Field. Keyshawn Johnson,
2: yeah, John Sanders, mm. I mean, this is... Yeah,
1: Chad yeah. Johnson, I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? Um, everybody has had their own Super Bowl celebration, or touchdown celebration, rather, and everybody has had their own, I guess, time in the sun to take a beating for it. Because basically, what ends up happening is you've got now Carolina's winning for the first time in years, really winning, and that's when you start to get people. I think that hate your team. They don't hate you if you're losing. Nobody like hates the Browns.
2: I was gonna say, does he? Is you, it the idea more that like he does? Pity. He doesn't have the decorum we associate with a Super Bowl quarterback like Jim McMahon. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, with the respect right? for the game that. Well, <laughs> and, yeah, expect I mean, to see ridiculous. the Super
0: Bowl shuffle dance video coming out with the Carolina
2: Panthers. after Cam's that. dance video would probably be really good. <laughs> probably yes, would. I, probably I, really do, on the I think
1: a lot of it is jealousy and I think a lot of it comes from the NFC fan. Like, and even, you know, there are some Carolina fans that, that get irritated with them because, you know, I'm someone who isn't a big fan of doing something stupid enough to get us a penalty. That's all I care about.
0: There are two phases of, of Americans' love of stories. One is the underdog Working his way up, beating the big guys, and the other is the big guy taking the fall. I think Cam Newton very quickly went from the underdog working his way up to the big guy that everyone's waiting to see fall.
2: Again, I think, you know, this is either going to be a star making performance or maybe Cam Newton will turn into that villain. It'll be seen as a guy who. Like- Cracked on the big stage. The real question to me, obviously, this is one of the two big storylines. The second storyline, Mickey, is, can I end my career on a good note?
1: I want to get on to Peyton, but I want to say one more thing about Cam first, and that is that I love him, and I believe that part of the problem is that everyone is looking for a flaw. The kid is was born with unbelievable athletic ability, has used it in great ways, is building a brand and a career around himself and his image, etc. So I'm like Team Cam on all of this, so I just want to make that clear. Yep. Now, as far as Peyton goes and whether or not he's going to retire at this time. I I mean, I think it's really likely that he does. And, and and it's not because, and I think it's a win or lose situation because he knows how hard it is to get to where they are right now. And getting to the Super Bowl itself is, I mean, it's it's not winning the big game, so to speak, but it takes a lot to get there. I mean, as a Steelers fan, I, you know, I recognize the seasons and what we went through the years that we got there. Um, And, you know, as a Jets fan, do you do you remember about when that happened?
2: When the Super Bowl?
1: <laughs> no, like
2: when you guys went to the Super Bowl and
1: had that experience. Okay, just
2: because it happened six years before I was born <laughs> doesn't mean I don't remember it because, you know, um, it, it's carried genetically, those happy memories. Of that. I remember Joe
0: Namath with his finger up in the air saying he's going to win, and they did, and everybody thought it was a miracle. Joe Namath was a superhero. I was like seven or eight years old, I think. I'm so old. I'm so old.
1: Well, uh, and historically, for, you know, the, those that win the Super Bowl don't come back and – even make the playoffs the following year because of the extended season that they have played the year before.
2: Yeah, and also, look, for a lot of these teams, less in that era than in the modern era, Your guys now have the ring. So if they're free agents. Maybe it feels okay to go take the big contract with the lousy team you know, and cash out or something like that. Or if you've been a supporting player on oh, yeah. a, uh, a backup on a Super Bowl team, there are a lot of teams that might want to come along and give you a starting job. And all of a sudden, you might want to have that opportunity. So... Um, no, I, I looking into this. I, I think the, the big consequence for Peyton Manning going into this is that if he loses, that he will be one in three in Super Bowls, and he, people people will start to talk about him like like not quite the level of Dan Marino, where it's just kind of you know universal ah you know Marino's probably the greatest one to never win a Super Bowl. Right. With Manning, it'll be boy he was really good, but boy you know he had one Super Bowl was not so great, and then I think the Seattle one he was terrible. Mm-hmm. And see how he, if he plays badly in this one, he may kind of get a reputation of a guy who choked in the big games. And it's probably unfortunate, not fair. And, you know, uh, well, I mean, the, the you know we, so we, we by play
1: this. him, you know, your team and my team. We, and we have to play every road goes through Denver or New England. Pretty, and wherever Peyton is, it used to be, you know, obviously the Colts. Yeah. Um, and, and it was either Peyton or Tom Brady. And you had to go through either to get anywhere for the last, you know, decade and a half. And it's still that way, obviously, since they're still doing it to each other. Um, but I think that, you know, Peyton, it, he's at the end of his career. Cam is at the the rise of his career. And I think that that's the juxtaposition that, that'll be most interesting.
2: Look, if, if Peyton Manning wins, I think we can all see exactly how it plays out. He rides off into the sunset. It's kind of seen <laughs> as his... Uh, grand finale, leaving on the highest of high notes. If he loses, do you realize what he'll be dealing with, Mickey? Eli? Eli taunting him for the rest of his, his life. <laughs> <laughs> Big bro, don't you hate it when the two rings chafe against each other? Is right? what, this <laughs> is I why my money missing. is oh, on okay. the Broncos,
1: by the way. like Not that I actually bet on football ever, just to clarify, but if I were to bet on football... Um, Directly, it would be on the Broncos, and it would be solely based on everything I've ever heard about Peyton Manning, who is, in my opinion, a first ballot Hall of Famer, whether he wins or loses this game, is that he is the most competitive person on the planet and that's on and off the field. I can only imagine what Thanksgivings have been like for him over the last oh, several man. years. I'm trying
2: to think whether it was better the first time I beat Brady or the second time I beat Brady. Beat <laughs> yeah, Brady. exactly. Man, that, you know, you know and, that guy who always gives you fits and you have a tough record head-to-head against? Man, let me tell you, big bro. that was it. All I can yeah, say
0: is if uh, Peyton wins and the, both of the boys end up with two Super Bowl rings each, there will be scientists sneaking into Archie Manning's home at night trying to steal his DNA.
1: <laughs> i'm pretty sure people are doing that already um i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure they are and uh, you know we're gonna continue talking a little bit about the super bowl but not the game itself um the things that other people watch for the commercials i'm mickey white he's jim Garrity, and we'll be right back
3: i wish i knew how to quit you you make me want to be a better man <laughs> hey here's a great place to visit if you must do some driving your independent Texaco retailer. Ask how he can help you get better mileage with quality Texaco products, and by practicing good maintenance. He also has fine Texaco gasolines, including lead-free Texaco, all with protective and detergent additives. So let your independent Texaco retailer help you get the most out of every gallon of gasoline you use. At Texaco, we're working to keep your trust.
1: Welcome back to The Jim and Mickey Show. We were just talking about, in the last segment, the Super Bowl or the um, NFL finale, if that suits Roger Goodell appropriately. Generic um, final game. <laughs> we're, we're going to uh, discuss the thing that the other people watched. Because there have been many a game, and the one that I will always remember um, was actually uh, the last time that North Carolina was in the Super Bowl when the Panthers were in the Super Bowl and there was actually a really good game going on and everyone missed it um, because I think that was um, when when Janet's boob fell out at halftime. Ah. And so while that became the talk of it, normally it's about the commercials because a lot of these games, you know, sometimes they're close, a lot of times they're blowouts. You never really know what's going to happen. And the commercials will become a part of the entire Super Bowl ritual, if you will.
2: Yeah, I know about you, Mickey. i was starting to develop the theory that the worse the product, the more elaborate the ad is going to be. <laughs> uh, or perhaps it's necessary that you know, in the case, for example, I, I've only seen one, uh, one preview of one ad. Uh, it features Seth Rogan and Amy Schumer touring across the country looking like candidates. Touting Bud Light. And let me tell you, <laughs> you want talk about winning platforms. Bud Light's a tough one. Bud Light, yeah. You know, so I, okay, first of all, let me begin uh, by, by attracting all the hate mail, by, by becoming across as this snotty Eastern elitist rhino establishment uh, uh, type. I believe that the more, the fancier, the more exotic, the more unusual the beer, the better. I like my, you know, banana frappe stout. I like my <laughs> bubblegum IPA. I like, you know, all kinds of weird flavors in it. Yes, give me that Blue Moon. Put that orange on top of it. I will consider it a health drink and I will get the vitamin C for me. Um You
1: know, I, I have no help for you here because I hate beer. Um, I hate beer of all kinds, actually. And, and the only time I really ever drink beer is when I'm on the river and it's hot, and I'll suddenly crave a Coors Light, which my friends have informed me is because it's water, and it's cold, <laughs> and so it tastes good when you're hot on the river. Um, I'm not a beer girl, um, but if all by exactly if all you their demo, and this is again, this is the point where I feel like I need to do the disclaimer um, about you know having worked in media with both uh, said client and said uh, ad sellers as well, um, having worked for Fox. TV for years and, uh, and obviously having other ends of it, having said that they pay a lot of money for these ads. So what I find interesting is they're starting to release them earlier now so that they can get their money's worth because instead of, you know, running an ad in the middle of the Super Bowl when, you know, sometimes, yes, you've got this huge massive audience, but you also only have one shot. You um, you're only going to see multiple ads from those that are NFL official sponsors. Uh, one of the one of the ones that have been released already that I'm really fond of um, involves Ryan Reynolds, um, and it's part of the Hyundai or Hyundai or whatever they're calling Hyundai. Themselves these days. Hyundai. I, yeah, I don't even know what they're calling themselves <laughs> these days, but their campaign because um, they're the official sponsor of the NFL this year. And they have a a Ryan Reynolds commercial and they have a Kevin Hart commercial who I happen to think is like one of the funniest people on the planet. Truly. And both of them made me laugh. And I like a commercial that makes me laugh. Like some, you know, I know are supposed to make you think and some are supposed to – I don't know what they're supposed to do. I guess there's a lot of like boob jiggly ones. But for the most (laughs) part, like I, I like that. You know, And there are so many iconic ones. From, you know, the Mean Joe Green Coke ad, which was, you know, obviously a Steeler ad, a huge one. It kind of started the whole thing. And I was, I, you know, obviously don't really, re- I don't remember that. Um, I'm not even sure I was alive when that happened. And then you have the, you know, the 84 ad by IBM where people were just blown away and talking about it. They're just going ahead and release them early. And let people see them and get all that earned media from all the people who are like, hey, this is going to be on the Super Bowl or here's a sneak peek or, you know, a lot of them are kind of like that running storyline that goes the whole way through.
2: Yeah, I, I'm getting a little tired of the ones that basically text is our product is so fantastic. It'll turn you into a, cra- a craven maniac uh, just to <laughs> obtain it. You know, Doritos sometimes gets into this Pepsi, uh, sometimes the beer commercials. It's all variations of. Oh, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Would you kick <laughs> someone in the head? <laughs> well, I don't think I do. Well, I got the bar right here. Here's the gun. Is it cigarette free I am totally
1: in.
0: It occurs to me listening to a segment of the Jim and Mickey show critiquing TV ads that a certain movie many years ago foreshadowed the idea that TV ads would become entertainment to such a degree that they are critiqued by professionals in the entertainment business that was uh, what was that movie with sylvester stallone as the cop that got frozen and then dried out in los demolition angeles Man. demolition Man. classic it. remember when mid-90s. he got in the car with uh with uh, sandra bullock and the hispanic guy from the police show whose name i can never remember but they were in the car together And the radio got turned on. Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt, that's right. And on the radio was not songs or music. It was commercials. It was 30-second-long audio snippets from commercials like the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. And the two future cops thought they were just wonderful little snippets of entertainment. Demolition Man foreshadowed the idea that commercials would become
2: themselves the entertainment.
1: And they have. They absolutely have.
2: You have no idea how prophetic that movie was. Uh, not just because of the uh, foreshadowing the Dennis Rodman style uh, hair attraction <laughs> worn by <laughs> Wesley Snipes in that movie, uh, but because they're, they're freezing criminals and locking them away in the future. You go out; they start reciting the names of the criminals, and mm-hmm. one of them is Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson years before the murder charge. <laughs> You're kidding me? He's really mentioned in there? Yes. Now, Keep in mind that the vision of the future in this mid-90s movie was that LA, Los Angeles would be this kind of hellhole of violence and uh, uh, racial tensions and animosity and urban chaos. And that the only way people come up with to fix it was this giant Orwellian big government. Oh, wait. They got that one right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and wasn't there an ad for Schwarzenegger in there?
2: President yes, it was a reference to the, the President Schwarzenegger uh, uh, Library, the, the Schwarzenegger Presidential Library. <laughs> um,
1: I, I honestly feel like we could do an entire segment at some point and probably will on, on how Schwarzenegger had, has this imaginary rivalry with Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and, and how that's driven his entire life's career um, because it, it's fascinating really.
2: It, I think it all started with a dispute about uh, shares of stock in Planet Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> was there a movie no,
0: it, where uh, Schwarzenegger talked it, it, about the star of, of a future Schwarzenegger movie?
2: What was that? Oh, no, it was the um, uh, Last Action Hero. The Last Action Hero. Uh, yeah. In which the boy attempting to convince Arnold Schwarzenegger that he's in a movie and that none of this is real. They go to a, a, a blockbuster video. I'll tell you what that was afterwards, kids. Um, but they go to a, the video store they go to see. go get a copy of Terminator 2, and <laughs> they find out that in this world, Sylvester Stallone was the star. <laughs> 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 looks at the display. She's been photoshopped to make it look like you know uh, Stallone played the Terminator. Talk what was, about God. living
1: rent free in people's heads, like.
2: And they mocked yeah, just, that in
0: that uh, series of of movies with all the action hero stars all together, the the indispensables or whatever. It's, what's it called?
1: The Incredibles. No. Oh, oh no, you're talking about um. The expendables. The, the expendables. expendables. I love That's those it. Movies. That I third
0: one, when they got them all together in that great fight scene in the airport, driving around in golf carts, blasting at each other and, and stealing each other's lines. Yippee, Kayo. Bruce Willis gets mad. I'll be back. You're always back. This time I get to be back. They're actually <laughs> mocking each other's competitive instincts in trying to turn out better and more money making action hero
3: movies.
1: I, I yeah. love those films. I'll go on record as saying that. And I think they're funny. I think they're entertaining. I think they're what action films should be.
2: No, uh, guys, I you have to, to you know deduct a few points from them for just terrible, terrible, egregious miscasting. I for one just don't believe that Wesley Snipes could play a guy who goes to jail for tax evasion. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it doesn't seem I just don't see Mel Gibson as a crazy anti Semitic maniac rambling about Christian theology. It just doesn't seem like him. Suspend your disbelief.
1: <laughs> the casting's all off. <laughs> oh,
0: this might be the best segment ever. but we we went off the rails a long time ago like indiana jones and his friends riding that mine car down into the tunnel
2: (laughs) so this is exactly what you should be thinking about when you watch those super bowl ads sunday (laughs) and
1: and again you know it's one of those things that it becomes part of the culture i suspect we're probably going to see you know, one of the either Sylvester Stallone or even Arnold in a commercial. Um, I haven't I haven't watched all of them. I haven't watched the uh, Budweiser commercials yet. And I always enjoyed those. Um, I, you know, earlier we discussed the ability to actually use the name Super Bowl, which is hysterical um, because obviously everyone uses it. But for some reason, you know, this is a real problem and we're not paying any fees here. So we're just going to call it alternative programming. To the puppy bowl.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's always you know you know so when you but make sure you have our you know buy, make sure your, you're well stocked for your party for. The big game, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You can almost see the lawyer from Roger Goodell in the background.
1: You know. Well, someone suggested, and I don't know who it was. It was someone on Twitter, and it was really, really funny. And someone suggested they were going to trademark the big game. <laughs>
0: you think <laughs> this, and this is crazy? Like, this is brilliant. But you got to remember, the NFL changed the shape of the stripes on the referees' uniforms so that. They could copyright them and people couldn't make commercials with referees in them that look like NFL referees. That's how far they go to protecting the brand.
2: I was about to say, are, are there a lot of like fraudulent referees running around? A lot of, you know. In beer commercials, yeah. There used mm-hmm. to be,
1: but
0: then they
2: changed just, the remember stripes.
1: Remember they used to flag? They were all over the flags on the play party foul.
2: So you just use different stripes and it's perfectly hunky-dory? That strikes me uh-huh. as, oh. And if anyone
0: uses the stripes that the NFL uses now, they'll get sued for copyrights because they're not the same stripes as they used to be.
2: That's that's really way more important than making sure there's, like, competitive games and no concussion. And guys aren't dying early. Yeah, I think, thanks for focusing on the big ones, Goodell. Or, but, you know, right. that the
1: balls are being inflated or, you know, the headsets work. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the, the tablets
2: work. Oh, did you love the tablet ads during the AFC Championship game when they weren't working? Was that a... <laughs> I think we blew you know, up gonna the gonna internet. Say, that, that was bad advertising. But we have some good ads coming for you. We will In the next segment, we'll be talking about one of the greatest NFL players ever to kill two people. <laughs> right back. <laughs> it
3: certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. <laughs> big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. <laughs> Why is the
0: beef? Introducing our new grilled chicken.
2: Hungry for more? Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. Last week we talked about the upcoming miniseries on FX of The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Mickey, last night I got to watch it, and you, as the true crime aficionado, I'm going to turn you as the fact checker, because there's a late scene in which O.J. Simpson, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., is at the house of Robert Kardashian's super lawyer, played by David Schwimmer from Friends. And O.J. is in a panic. He's starting to freak out. He puts a gun to his head. And Robert Kardashian says to O.J., O.J., Juice, don't do it here. This is my daughter Kimmy's room. Yes. Did O.J. Simpson threaten to kill himself in Kim Kardashian's bedroom? Yes. Wow. All of a sudden, a lot about Kim Kardashian makes a lot more sense now. (laughs) Who to believe we would get new info after 20 years.
1: Yeah and and that's one of the most interesting things about it um is that while the case is definitely a focus it's more about understanding or at least the first episode was is more about understanding like the setup the area the the time frame this wasn't 2016 this was 1994 this was 2 years after the riots they're quick about setting up you know the the interaction between the attorneys because they've worked together before in other cases, and you can see already the drama building. And they haven't even hired all the
2: lawyers yet. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it, and I think you you made a very good point. The show oh, the show begins with just two minutes of uh, news reports and footage of the LA riots from 1994, and all of a sudden, a, a jury decision which seemed inexplicable certainly to a good chunk of white America at the time, makes a little more sense, if not the right decision. If, if you're mad as hell about how the police are treating members of your community, you think the police are illegitimate, you think the police are abusive, um, then maybe you might take your chance on a, on a jury to you know effectively give a middle finger to the system. Um, now, at that point, you're, you're putting a murderer back out on the streets, <laughs> which makes me as a pretty big and... Uh, consequence of that, but but with very quickly, um, I, I was struck by how well it took you back, um, and how much all of these actors who were kind of used to seeing in other roles, like you know, David Twimmer shows up, Nikki. I'm sure you're becomes
1: Robert Kardashian. I was gonna
2: say yeah, you're, you're like the first time you see him, like oh, there's Ross, but but within a few moments, it's you know it, it turns into the lawyer, and and Travolta is is like there's something kind of strangely. Um, Amusing and compelling about him as uh, Shapiro uh, Shapiro as, as just this like old: well, and I think know.
1: that that's the other part of this is you're seeing that each of these players in the People versus O.J. Simpson had their own agenda, and it, I think the question's going to ultimately end up being who was really looking out for OJ because we've already discovered that his original attorney allowed him to speak to the police Mm -hmm. and did so without an attorney present. Now, that is something that, you know, maybe even 10 years ago, people would be like, eh, you know, but he's innocent. Why wouldn't he do that? In the age of making a murderer, the Mm -hmm. timing could not be more well planned for the release of this. Um, especially if they're just looking for a shift in the culture and the idea. Because, I mean, obviously he was acquitted, um, but we know what happened after that. And no one really ever believed that the jury made the right decision. And I'm really curious to see the journey they take us on with this because I, as you know, have a problem with the way that the initial investigation was done because they really didn't do the interviews and things that I would have liked to have seen done just for my own clarification. That's why they call it reasonable doubt. Um they're just they they just didn't look at anything else. They got that tunnel vision thing going on. And I think in now the age of making a murderer, so to speak, people are more quick to think, wait, wait, wait. He sat down and talked to the cops who, you know, obviously the LAPD not known for their best behavior at this particular point. And in fact, you know, post post the O.J. Simpson trial, there were others that were brought in and released. And, you know, there were a lot of problems in the LAPD at that point.
2: Well, also the, the, the opening kind of scenes, or at least this first episode makes clear, yes, the LAPD did have a certain lighter touch when it came to celebrities. So there clearly was this kind of understanding uh, about how they were going to handle certain ho- high-profile uh, cases and figures. And this really comes back to bite them um, uh, throughout this. That that you know that At one point Shapiro said, oh, we're going to bring him in. You don't have to send anybody. We will show up at the police station on time. And it comes fairly clear from his actions he never had any intention of – certainly had no intention of getting him there on time. Um, right. and they were going to drag out the process of putting him in the police custody as long as possible, which led to – I thought it was very interesting. They ended on the beginning of the police chase and the white in the white Bronco. That was a uh, now, now. I'm actually like the funny thing. I know exactly what what happened. We know exactly how this story ends, and yet we're learning enough along the way that you're kind of like, okay, no, I want to see what happens next. I what see. do you
1: think about the portrayal? And it, and it's my understanding. You know, interestingly enough, obviously fairly close to reality portrayal of Marsha Clark up until this point.
2: Um, I sorry, I kind, I back in 1994 to today. I feel kind of bad for these prosecutors, who had what struck me as a winnable case. Some might even argue an open and shut case. Uh, who really had no idea what they were headed into, just walked into the buzz saw. Just, just had you know, were completely unprepared for both the uh, the court of public opinion and how that was going to be fought, and also the court in the the. Uh, I, I think it's almost. I think they're fairly sympathetic figures. Um, but you kind of, you know, what I you know, at the, at the okay, so right
1: side, now, who are you sympathetic with?
2: Uh, I was surprised how much I found myself sympathizing with OJ. Um, and how much he seemed like a guy who was a basket case and about to, you know, uh, come apart at themes. Now I concur by the way, with your assessment that Cuba Gooding jr. needs to lower his voice about two octaves. Uh, just, you know, not, you know, he's, he, look okay, but he just doesn't sound like you know, what we heard of O.J. Simpson over, over all those years. Um, but I guess now looking at looking at from, from hindsight, we know, we know he's going to get off, and then I, we know that later on he's going to end up going back to jail anyway on, on separate charges. Um, so there, there's kind of a sense that if you, if you think he's a bad guy, justice was eventually done. Um, but that this is the moment... Have you ever heard uh, Don Henley's song about the devil coming to L.A.? No. Uh, in the Garden of Allah is the name of the song. And it's about the devil coming to Los Angeles. And like, the closing words are, the, and the, you know, the devil is downhearted because there's nothing left for him to claim. Meaning that L.A. is now completely corrupted. There's <laughs> nothing left. There are no innocents anymore for him to try to tempt. And the whole like he's won and he's bored. And there's nothing there. That's kind of how I felt about L.A. and the entire, you know, si- si- situation out there at the end of the O.J. Simpson trial. And so so I kind of feel like this, we know this is a tragedy. We know this is a this is a story which it ba- ends badly. This is the last minutes of the departed. <laughs> this is you know, this is bad for everybody. So I'm not yes sympathetic. I, I'm not rooting for anybody in this other than finally saying, oh, that's why Kim Kardashian's so screwed up.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> Didn't Don Henley have another song, "The End of the Innocence"? Wasn't that an Eagles song? Yes. He's like oh, yeah. kind of obsessed with that idea that the world is irretrievably corrupt.
1: Yes, you're right. Actually, but, that, yeah, that Garden one I, I remember, Apollo, Dave. Very
2: much, um, yeah. Garden of Allah. You could just tell the the at one point he the devil appears as an expert witness in a courtroom, <laughs> and he says his, his lyric is, "I'm an expert witness because I say I am." <laughs> <laughs> so Don Henley watched the O.J. trial. <laughs> I, I, look, I, you know, you, uh, that's a question. Probably better, but I, I pick up a lot of vibes of somebody who watched the O.J. Simpson tri- trial and just basically said. This is it. This is the end of the justice system. The whole thing's a joke. The whole thing's (laughs) twisted and corrupt, and I don't care anymore.
0: I figured the jurors just nullified it because they had a pretty good idea that O.J. back on the street wouldn't kill any of them.
1: Well, then there's that. Um, As you guys know, I stand by the fact that whether anybody likes it or not, I think the jury made the right decision. I am going to be fascinated to see if this changes my mind.
2: Do you – okay, so let me, let me put you more on the spot, Mickey. So do you think he killed the two people or either of the two people?
1: Do I really have to answer this because you know what I get when I do this. I do not believe that all of the evidence, forensic evidence, supports the theory that the prosecution put forth. So therefore, okay. I would have to agree with the jury and find him not guilty.
2: Okay, that, that's a little bit different in the sense that I, I, I would, you know, I, I can see the argument that the evidence was not as clear as those of us watching from the outside saw it.
1: Well, but and he, he part of my, I, I think that part of my problem is, and like I said, I, I don't like the fact that they didn't investigate any of other options or any other suspects, really. And and at that time, there were a lot of things going on in their lives that would make. Both Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron
2: Goldberg, a target for things. Goldman, Goldman, I'll you know. Um, it, it's interesting. Here we are, 20 years later, uh, still dissecting it, still analyzing it. Maybe some of these questions will someday be answered. Maybe OJ will catch the real killer, and it will turn out to be a caddy. Depending He's on to yeah. be on a golf He's course by how somewhere. Much time he spent on the golf course afterwards. <laughs>
1: I I, I just don't think that – and and, and again, just based on the evidence as I have read it and what have you, it's going to be an interesting show. And uh, maybe we'll do some updates throughout and kind of get some feedback from our listeners that are watching it as well and see what they are saying. Hit us up on our Facebook page with your thoughts on the People vs. OJ Simpson. It's on FX and it's on demand now. And you can find our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And we will be right back.
2: Ever need to rent a car fast?
3: Nobody does it better. Hurts
0: leads
2: the others by far. Nobody does it
3: best for you. Hurts the super.
0: Has more of what it takes to get you into a new LTD or other
1: fine car faster. It's a superstar. You jack wagon. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Mickey White along with my co host Jim Garrity. And uh, we're kind of switching gears a little bit because moving away from the big game and the OJ Simpson trial to something a little more creepy
2: childrens <laughs> it's not as lighthearted as the oj murdering two people right. so. no
1: it's creepy toys
2: for your children this is a
0: chucky well, segment
1: <laughs> yeah well here's the thing i i was one of those people who have i have a terrifying fear of dolls and talking dolls and dolls really in general like i'm not i'm not a fan the boy <laughs> yeah, I, no like I I just don't they freak me out. I always feel like they're looking at me. The ones that talk are creepy. And I never had like a Teddy Ruxpin um or a cricket doll. My sister did. That one was I, I made her keep it out of my room. No Furbies. No anything. Um I I had a Furby briefly um <laughs> and he did not last long. Um but now we've evolved beyond, you know, just repeating back to us what we're saying. Now we're hooking these toys up to monitors and to the web, and the parents can now hear what the child is saying to the doll. But all of that information is being stored on a server.
2: Oh, that's, that's trouble waiting to happen. In but, Salt Lake uh, City. <laughs> the know, NSA. It, it,
1: it, it, and they learn and they interact with the children and they become like, you know, they actually grow as, you know, artificial intelligence does as they get to know the child. But again, then it is all uploaded to a
2: server. What's where the, the worst that could happen? Can watch. What's the worst that could happen with Sky? net toys. this the giant's computer storing recording your children's actions and keeping it in a database and being able to predict its behavior? What's the absolute worst that could happen there? That cute little doll
0: turns into a drone with 30-caliber machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> Skynet. Okay, as
1: someone who is happy that, like, Elf on the Shelf was not a thing whenever my stepson was little because it creeps me out because it teaches kids about spying on each other, the idea of having little spy dolls and teddy bears and things, I, I, Jim, you've got two young boys. Would you buy them a G.I. Joe doll that uploaded to Skynet?
2: My, my nagging fear is I'm wondering if I have. And as I've been recording this, there's more than a few toys that have been left around the house. And Mickey, they're all watching me. They've all turned <laughs> in unison to look at me. Yeah.
1: Um, you laugh now, but wait till they do it.
2: No, I'm it, a You know, Look, I, I was a kid who grew up and had about a bazillion Star Wars figures. Then the prequel comes along and I noticed I, I got a couple uh, of the action figures as gag gifts from my friends. It totally was gifts for other people. I totally wasn't keeping them and playing with them myself. Totally not. Um, Uh They all came with like a little like like plastic platform that had a chip in it. And if you had the right uh, accompanying toy, you put them on it and the the figure would talk. And it was obviously because of the chip that had been, you know, in this little platform that it walked around on. And if you had two figures together, they would interact with each other. And I remember thinking, oh, that's neat. And then I remember thinking, wait a minute. When I was a kid, I made them talk right right like, like like, wait all of a sudden kids can't you know oh uh, dad i can't do the yoda voice May give me the chip that makes him you know that louses up his grammar and puts the i had not even really state. thought about it from
1: that angle but yeah it's like you created the back and forth conversation now
0: well, the toys okay. are playing
2: with you
1: <laughs> i'm again see why i'm so creeped out
2: Technologically gilding the lily, you know, you—it's it's toys. You're supposed to play with them. You're supposed to. You know, it does seem a little bit, um, almost like the toy company is taking you by the hand and saying, "Here's how you play with it. Here are the things it says. Here are the things you have to do." And just I, I look in light of what we've seen in our. Voyeuristic uh, uh, culture, the number of times we've seen, you know, the TSA images have been sent around. People have found recording devices and cameras in their vents and in changing rooms and stuff like that. It really feels like we don't need more cameras uh, in our our lives. We certainly don't need them in children's toys. And we certainly don't need that information and data being stored somewhere so that someday Mattel will know, you know, all kinds of stuff about your kids. Like, you know.
1: Well, it's Mattel. Who knows who's actually got access to that server? And the information being transported to your child, you're not necessarily in control of what the doll is telling your kid either.
2: You know, okay, so here's a moment where I'm not sure whether I'm being paranoid or this is just who I am. Okay. So both uh, a couple of of daycare centers ago, uh, currently a, a fine, fine institution teaching my boys karate, you can either sign in and say, yes, my kids are here or they set up a system where you just put your fingerprint and it scans your fingerprint and it goes and registers, you know, these kids are here. I don't think I want my fingerprint data stored in some database, whether it's a karate club or, or you know, mm-hmm. happy family daycare. Like, what, why, who, why do these people need my fingerprint data?
1: There is a salon that I go to that does fingerprint data. And Why? it Look. freaks me out. And and I remember going in the first time whenever they required it. And I was actually going to quit going to the salon. <laughs> and they they talked me into it through I, I don't even know how. Um, and when I took Mr. Bison there for a specific service, I thought that he was going to lose his mind. <laughs> this poor girl. I'm like – is there any way you can just use my finger because it's already there and just say that he did it? Like, because he's not going to put his finger on that. Like, I'm just telling you. Let's face it. Right we now, live, that's not happening.
0: We live in an age where your phone asks you, do you want to use your fingerprint as your password? And even though I said no, I'm well aware that my phone can take my fingerprints, and so I assume it already
2: has. Right. You know it wow. has. That, see, that's on... Look, First of all... Do you remember, like, not that long ago, in a spy movie, a fingerprint lock was really tough to get past? Yeah, and it was all like, oh, we got we're gonna have to cut off the guy's hand or James something. Bond, it was considered a really right. big deal. Oh, this is what the CIA uses to keep its most protective secret stuff in the vault. And now it's like, yeah, I'm at the hair salon. Let me use the fingerprint scanner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what next, retinal scanners that's at the right. barber shop? You got <laughs> it. It's coming. Hi, it's me. It's Jim. I'd like a haircut. Right. Why do we...
0: don't think they won't do it? It's biometric ID. That's what they mean by bio. They measure and
2: identify patterns of your body. Why do I need biometric ID to check my kids in at karate class? <laughs> but like, I mean, I think this is like it should be at least as easy to access as Hillary's server.
0: Okay? <laughs> All you have to do is be a KGB operative. You don't even need to well, give a finger. And the thing
1: about it is it's so funny to me that the same people that are putting out these creepy ass spy toys um, I, and, and I would not buy them for my children. Barbie has one, um, so be aware for anyone who's got children or grandchildren. Barbie has, has this setup um, along with some others out there, and they set it up as, like, the greatest thing coming. Your kids are going to beg for it, but know that they are uploading this information um, to the servers. But they've also introduced this whole new line of Barbies that are supposed to, quote, represent, you know, the real women in the world and whatever. She basically, you know, she's got chubby in places. She's got different color hair, et cetera. I I don't really have a problem with Barbie diversifying, so to speak. I just think it's
2: stupid. <laughs> That's so not a problem. That we Some like- people might sense a contradiction there, Mickey. That <laughs> well, here's the thing: a as, a, as makes- a
1: girl who grew up loving Barbie, okay, That's- and my Barbies were dirty. I'm not gonna lie; like my Barbie had a lot of sex, and ah. really, my Ken had more sex than anything because you always had less Ken dolls than you did Barbies, so he kind of, you know, ended up being like the You're male playing- slut.
2: You were playing uh, offshoot sect of Mormonism polygamy Barbie. Is that what <laughs> yeah,
1: basically. It was like Knott's Landing-ish
2: Barbie. Don't forget, and,
1: now
0: so, Barbie is Ken and Ken is Barbie. It's the transgender Barbie. Nice. Uh. <laughs> it's nice.
1: But I, I, I really, um, when I got my first Kiko doll, for anyone who's listening that knows anything about Barbies, Kiko was the first dark-haired Barbie from Hawaii, so she looked like my skin tone, my color and that excited me. I have no problem with them having, you know, different races and whatever of Barbies. But I think we're pushing the limits a little bit because part of the idea is Barbie is supposed to be the ideal. And that I mean there are other dolls out there. You can get another doll. But Barbie's yeah. supposed to be the ideal and one of the fun things about Barbie is was the ability to dress her up pretty and do fun things with her and whatever. And I don't know that necessarily. My idea was like I relate to Barbie. It was like no, I'm going to put Barbie in these situations and make her do dirty things.
2: I I was about to say, do do you see boys saying, well, I need a slightly overweight GI Joe figure, right? No, I need need the short superhero. I need the uh, the handicapped Star Wars figure, like. They're toys. (laughs) Just let the kids play with them. No, of course they're not, you know, perfect. You know, like they're not realistic representations of the human. But like they're not supposed to be. This isn't biology class. Although I guess maybe in your case, Mickey, it was. I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't biology class. It was much more like HBO recreation. Romantic. Ah.
2: <laughs> we're learning about we're learning about uh, the childhood of Kim Kardashian, and we're learning a little bit more about the childhood of Mickey as well. <laughs> all of a sudden, everything seems to make a little bit more sense.
1: My Barbie well, had game. That's all I'm saying.
2: And they had game and games. Milkshake <laughs> brought the boys we'll be right in the yard back after this.
1: Whipple, please don't squeeze
3: the Charmin. New squeezably soft Charmin bathroom tissue from Procter & Gamble. Take it home and squeeze it.
2: Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. It has been a uh, uh, amazingly fast episode. It kind of flies by every single week, but uh, Mickey, I just thought before we can close the show, we should take a look at the Twitter responses. Um, it's all people screaming. at. Oh, it's not. it's not everyone screaming at us, Mickey. It's everyone screaming at each other. Uh, Right, (laughs) Because everyone's fighting on Twitter. Maybe it's the presidential primary. Maybe it's midwinter blues. But everyone is angry and everyone is throwing tantrums.
1: I I would have to agree with you. And I'm going to say that I'm going to take it past the presidential primary and political idea and say maybe it is the winter blues. Because one of the biggest stories of entertainment and social media this week was about Kanye West losing his mind. On Wiz Khalifa, and for those of you who do not know Kanye West, you know who he is. Wiz Khalifa um, is a rapper, and he's from Pittsburgh. So you know, obviously, I have a little uh, love in my heart for him. And he sang "Black and Yellow" um, about the Steelers. So there's there's a reason for me to pay attention to this. I mean, and it turned nasty, awful, terrible, bad. And these people are wealthy millionaires, and uh, it ended the week with them having some type of lunch and truce talk etc but I don't have the feeling that most Twitter feuds end with everybody just like getting together for lunch and talking it out
2: Okay, was this the one where the model Amber Rose got into the middle of it Yes. And and made some, let's just say, proctological suggestions about her past <laughs> relationship with Kanye. Correct, yes. Okay. So for those who are because- familiar, uh, Amber Rose is basically a slightly more curvaceous Barbie doll type, as discussed in that last segment, with the hair of Telly Savalas. Uh, if you remember V'ger from the original Star Trek movie, just picture that cross with the Playboy centerfold. That was so, a uh, really
0: beautiful woman that did that, too. That was really brave at the time, shaving her head.
1: Well, and and here's and here you know to bring this really full circle the Kardashian uh, section of this is that Kim obviously Kim Kardashian West is married to Kanye West. Kanye West used to date Amber Rose. Amber Rose now dates Wiz Khalifa, and um, they all have had you know Amber Rose used to be friends with Kim. Amber Rose you know has done all kinds of crazy things with all kinds of different people. And so these people actually know each other in real life and did this on twitter
0: they've all had proxy sex with each other is, is what we're saying here
1: <laughs> yes, and when she introduced the we'll call it the digit discussion <laughs> she she um, did it
2: more than the metaphorical finger yes, future, she did apparently, yeah, and okay.
1: he enjoyed it, which is when suddenly everybody decided we had to call a truce, and you know some <laughs> deletes were deleted. But I think it's one of those things where it's funny because it got the attention of everyone because I think it was so relatable in the sense that, you know, these are people that should know better, should not be on, you know, spreading themselves all over social media unless, of course, it's a publicity stunt, whatever. But most people, it's not a publicity stunt. Most people who get into these hours long arguments have to be at the end of it. I know I am sometimes because I've got sucked in. You're exhausted and you're like, "What, what did I just do?
2: Yes, I spent an enormous amount of time uh, arguing with some complete stranger, who's an egg, whose name is you know nine W two Q X three you know F U and you know we've F all U seen Jim the, Garrity 101. and yeah. um yeah and and basically you know living that that uh, cartoon to life. Honey, I can't come to bed. There's someone wrong on the internet. I've got to and, correct uh, it. <laughs> But this argument, this one tweet is going to change their mind. I'm sure of it. Okay? You know, I'm going to put up a link that proves that they're wrong and they will see the error of their ways. um, (laughs) Time well spent. There's someone
0: on the web I haven't called yet. (laughs) Give me a few more minutes. (laughs) exactly.
1: Give me a few more minutes I got this. I got him pinned down. I'm not – I must finish him. I've already
2: won. The conversation so far suggests that this person is rational. And right. we we'll respond to reason. So, <laughs>
1: you know, and maybe we can learn a little something from the West and from Wiz Khalifa and God
2: help us all, Amber Rose. If Kim and Amber can come together. If Kim and Amber Americans can come,
1: come, come together. together. And maybe of, there is a chance for world peace after uh, all.
2: Speaking of
0: Wiz, I heard they uh, allowed him in New York, so to speak.
1: They legalized
0: the whiz in the streets of New York.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: They made pissing in the street legal in New York
1: just this week. I had no idea. I I apologize. Man,
2: the Giuliani era really has come to an end. uh... (laughs) And so has this
0: segment. (laughs) Yes, yes it
1: has. And and once again, I find myself saying, boys, it's a wrap. So... (laughs) For those of you listening, thank you so much for sticking with us. Our numbers are continuing to grow each week. Um, we are still so excited um, by how much enthusiasm you have shared with us um, via email and social media, and just messages and phone calls. Um, it's it's really great, and we know that you are sharing this, and I know that you're listening to us on either SoundCloud or iTunes or Spreaker or Roku, um, or on your just on your Google Play. And uh, you know, uh, you can find us here every week at soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. And uh, please do check out our Facebook page at facebook.com Jim and Mickey Show as we come to an end of another fantastic episode. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you've been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Super Bowl weekend.
0: What is it? What it is, is football.
3: It was back last October, I believe it was. We was going to hold a tent service off at this college town. And we got there about dinner time on Saturday. And uh, different ones of us thought that we ought to get us a mouthful to eat before that we set up the tent. And so we got off of the truck and followed this little bunch of people Through this small little bitty patch of woods there and we come up on a big sign it says get something to eat here and uh, I went up and got me two hot dogs and a big orange drink and before that I could take every mouthful of that food this whole raft of people come up around me and got me to where I couldn't eat nothing up like and I dropped my big orange drink I did well, friends, they come in to move, and they want so much that I could do but move with them. Well, we commenced to go through all kinds of doors and gates, and I don't know what all. And I looked up over one of them, and it says, North Gate. And we kept on going through there, and pretty soon we come up on a young boy. And he says, Ticket, please. And I says, Friend, I don't have a ticket. I don't even know where it is that I'm going. <laughs> I did. Well, he says, come out as quick as you can. And I says, I'll do her. I'll turn right around the first chance, I get." Well, we kept on a moving through there, and pretty soon everybody got where it was that they was a-going because they parted, and I could see pretty good. I, I, I could. And what I seen was this whole raft of people a-settin' on these two banks and a looking at one another across this pretty little green cow pasture. <laughs> well, they was. And somebody had tucked and drove white lines all over it and drove posties in it and I don't know what all. And I looked down there and I seen five or six convicts a-running up and down and a-blowing whistles. I did. And about the time I got set down good, I looked down there and I seen 30 or 40 men come running out of one end of a great big outhouse down there. <laughs> and I asked this fellow that was besetting beside of me, I says, friend, what is it that they're hollering for? Well, he whopped me on the back and he says, buddy, have a drink. And I got it and sat back down. And them two men come out in the middle of that cow pasture and shook hands like they hadn't seen one another in a long time. And then a convict come over to where they was a standing and he took out a quarter and they come in to odd man right there. <laughs> After a while I seen what it was that there's odd man in for. It was that both bunches full of them men wanted this funny looking little pumpkin to play with. They did, and I know, friends, that they couldn't eat it because they kicked it the whole evening, and it never busted. (laughs) But uh, anyhow, what I was telling was that both bunches full wanted that thing, and one bunch got it, and it made the other bunch just as mad as they could be, and, friends, I seen that evening the awfulest fight that I have ever seen (laughs) in my life. I did they would run at one another and kick one another and throw one another down and stomp on one another and grind their feet in one another and I don't know what all and just as fast as one of them would get hurt they'd tote him off and run another another. (laughs) Well, they'd done that as long as I sat there but pretty soon this boy that had said, Ticket, please. He come up to me and he says, Friends, you're going to have to leave because it is that you don't have a ticket. And I says, Well, all right. And I got up and left. And I don't know, friends, to this day what it was that there's a doing down there, but I have studied about it. And I think that it's some kindly of a contest where they see which bunchful of them men can take that pumpkin and run from one end of that cow pasture to the other without either getting knocked down or stepping in something.